Welcome into the Card Chronicle podcast. If you're listening to this, it is Wednesday morning, and my God, it means college basketball's back. I, I can't even remember the last time where we were talking about like I don't remember what this podcast was like during college basketball season last year. I remember doing it. I remember doing the the emergency pod after we beat Duke, but it's been so long that it just like, I don't know. It just it feels so good, and it's weird that it's happening now because this week. One of the most underrated weeks, usually in college basketball, we you always have the Maui Invitational, you get the Battle for Atlantis. Tournament games are happening at all hours of the day. Louisville's usually playing some big-time games. And instead, it's opening week. But my God, Dan, we're going to talk about Evansville. We're going to talk a little bit about Seton Hall. We'll talk about if the football team won a game. But for now, how fucking good does it feel just to, just to have college basketball back in some form? I mean, I, it's literally like Vince Vaughn and Wedding Crashers when he when he calls in Owen Wilson. He's like, we got a big three weeks coming up. It's wedding season, baby. Like, that's <laughs> literally how I feel with basketball. I'm like, it's card season, baby. Let's do this. There's not a better time if you're a cards fan to be alive than the, the beginning of basketball. Um, yeah, all I can say is just uh, it, just buckle up and enjoy the ride. I'm, I know it's going to be bumpy and curvy this year with with everything going on but it, it's totally not going to dampen my mood and i i'm treating tomorrow as if it's a a game in march I, yeah i tweeted this earlier uh today we're recording this tuesday night it's gonna post wednesday morning i actually i wanted to start the podcast with the um the round ball rock remix from that snl episode where they're like bah, 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 basketball <laughs> but i couldn't find it and i didn't want it. it's like three seconds long too it doesn't really I don't know if it would resonate on a podcast, so uh, here we are. But uh, it's I tweeted this out earlier today on, on Tuesday. Like I feel like predicting how the college basketball season is going to go is kind of easy. And, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this. Maybe it winds up being a complete disaster. Maybe it winds up being totally perfect after these first couple of weeks. But like you said, games are being canceled all over the place. You've got these protocols where if anybody on your team, whether it's a player, a coach, a support staff member, uh, tests positive for COVID-19, you shut down everything for 14 days. So naturally, we've already had a bunch of games canceled. I kind of feel like this is how the first four months are going to go, the first three and a half months. Like You're going to have just mass cancellations, mass panic, everybody complaining, everybody bitching, people writing columns everywhere about, like, what are we even doing here? Um, and maybe it's justified, maybe it's not. It's going to be a rough stretch, but really all anybody cares about is getting to March, getting to the NCAA tournament, getting those 68 teams. It's going to be, I mean, Selection Sunday or Selection whatever day it is, is going to be fucking hilarious because the committee is going to have to justify like, well, this team played a bad schedule, but this team is coming in with four games. Uh, like, like, who do we give the 11 seed to? So you're going to have this just really bizarre bracket that makes no sense and is impossible to predict. People are going to be pissed they got left out. Um, but there's, there's going to be no good way to make it happen. But then I think once we get to the tournament and everybody goes to Indianapolis, assuming that's where it winds up being played, like it's going to be different. It's going to be weird, but it's going to be fun. You're going to have a shit ton of games. It's going to be the old drama. You're going to have a bunch of you know last-second shots, all that good stuff. And in the end, you're going to have a Final Four that probably looks like most Final Fours do. Maybe there's a little bit of a Cinderella in there, but the national champion is probably going to be like one of the best teams in the country, one of the biggest programs in the country. And at the end of the day, everybody's going to talk about, well, what, what a great job they did to make this season happen and totally forget about how panicked everybody was in November, December, January, February. I feel like like that's what we're in for. And I mean, hopefully Louisville's not all that affected. Hopefully we can play all 27 of our games. Probably not going to happen. There's probably going to be a couple of postponements, maybe some cancellations, but just as long as it, as long as we get there, as long as we get to that tournament, um, I, I, I'm, I'm still excited. It's hard not to be. I'm, I'm with you. And I think an, an underrated part of this season that we haven't experienced as a, a Louisville fan or a college basketball fan is just the holding of your breath, like the day before each game, be like, okay, is it actually going to happen? Like, is the game really going to be played? Like, there's not going to be some sort of last minute cancellation, like just a, like a total kick in the dick, like waking up the morning of and seeing like a tweet, like, hey, you know, you're someone tested positive quarantine for 14 days. So the anticipation of knowing that the game is going to get there without, you know, anything canceling it is just going to add like a new element. And then obviously the games itself, which, you know, we we all get excited for. If you're looking for, I mean, something of a potentially positive news, 
if, if you're wondering why the NCAA is doing this, why teams have to quarantine for 14 days, it's because that's the recommended quarantine period by the CDC. So the NCAA is basing it all off CDC guidelines. And we found out earlier uh, on Tuesday the CDC is now considering shortening the recommended 14-day quarantine period um, from uh, 14 days to between 7 to 10 days, which could really help in college basketball to, to have more games played. Obviously, safety is of the utmost concern, but if that's a legitimate thing where it's not going to you know, have any adverse effects, then that'd be good for the season to happen. But I'm with you. I mean, like, like we said, we're recording this Tuesday night. We may post this Wednesday morning, and two hours later, the game against Evansville might be canceled. You, you don't know. Um, Seton Hall, who Louisville's scheduled to play on Friday, they had their first. They were supposed to play Winthrop tomorrow. That game got canceled because uh, Seton Hall's had COVID issues. Their game on the 29th, um, I can't remember who they were. They were playing somebody relatively big. I think it was actually Baylor. That's been canceled now because Scott Drew has COVID. So uh, Seton Hall, they said today they're still plan- that they're practicing. They're back on the court. They're still planning on playing this game against Louisville on the 27th, but you never know. It may not happen, and it's just a its a totally different element. But for right now, it's hard. I'm just excited to see basketball. I mean, last season ended with such a, a void that is going to be impossible to fill. We're always going to wonder how that NCAA tournament would have played out. We're always going to wonder how Louisville would have done in the conference tournament, um, all that good stuff. And for it to just end so abruptly without any sort of notice, its it still feels just so bizarre to look back and think about that game against Virginia um, being the last time we've seen a Louisville basketball game. I had to go to the hospital like right after that game. Remember, I had those, I had that year, that, <laughs> that seems like two that, years ago. Oh my like God. We're like, like, Oh like, my God. You have to go to the hospital. I mean that whole weekend, like, like that was like the last weekend of college basketball that we got. And I spent half of it in the fucking hospital. It's been a lot. It's, it's been a terrible year, but it, like that, just that bitter taste uh, makes it all the worse. But if you had to point to one thing that you're most excited about, even in this un- unusual circumstance for this season, what are you pointing to? Are you talking about with like the Louisville team in general or college yeah. basketball in general? With us, with, with Louisville. The thing that I'm most excited about, I don't know. It's just sometimes when you get a lot of new blood on your team, it's 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 exciting. I mean, I know we've, we've already harped on this, you know, in past podcasts, but it reminds me a lot of that 2011 team where we didn't really know coming in what they were going to be like. And obviously, you know, they opened up the, the Yum center with a win against Butler and they, they took off from there. Obviously the season that year didn't end the way we wanted to, but we had a lot of new faces. Um, we, we thought it was going to be a bridge year and it ended up being a successful year. So, I'm hoping that we can, you know, exceed whatever pundits' expectations are that they have for us. Um, I, I do think we have some nice pieces. Obviously, injuries have already played a part. But um, I, I'm honestly, I'm excited to see more of Chris Mack's players um, in there. Malik is, is really the last one um, from the Patino area, era. So it'll be nice to see Mac have his guys in there and see, you know, kind of how this works out. Yeah, I'm excited, but also kind of terrified by how unique this is where we haven't seen any of like a lot of these guys play in a Cardinal uniform in a real game that matters yet. Like we've gotten no idea. Um, the, the Super Six outside of David Johnson and uh, and Sam Williamson hardly saw the floor last year. Like we we've heard some guys have made improvements. We've heard so much about Jalen Withers during the off season. We haven't seen them play in a game. Um, and, and Carly Jones, I mean, the guy has won the gold Jersey five out of the seven weeks we've been practicing. He's getting all these, these accolades. Like what if he comes out tomorrow and just sucks? Like, like what, what, what if he comes out and looks like Stanley from the office out of nowhere? Just like all I can think about with him is like, is this what UK fans like go through every year because they're the king of typing yeah. up their players in the off season. And like, I, I mean, yeah, of course some of them do pan out, but I mean, sometimes like the hype for this kid is just reach out of control proportions where it's almost not fair to him um, of what he's going to be expected to do. And it's not his fault, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to him play. Um, I, I just, I, I have no idea really, you know, what we're going to get from him. I couldn't agree more with the expectations. Like, and, and again, like I, I know that we've seen him play. I, I know you can find film of him playing at Radford on, on YouTube or wherever, but like, I was almost hoping towards the end of the off season that they would stop giving him the gold Jersey 
because I'm terrified. And by all accounts, he's a kid who can handle any sort of criticism or anything. But criticism from Radford fans after a bad game is a little bit different from Louisville fans. If you, you know, go out there and shoot two of 15 against Seton Hall and Louisville loses on Friday, like he's going to be like, like people are going to be making jokes. People are going to be adding him on Twitter. Like it's just going to be a different bear for him. And you're right. It's not entirely his fault that these expectations have been kind of thrust upon him. But if he's we're at the point now where if he's not really good and if David Johnson, that sophomore leap isn't real. And if Sam Williamson, whenever he gets fully healthy, um, doesn't make a, a similar leap, like there's no chance of us being a really good team, like, like a top four or five, maybe even 60 in the NCAA tournament. Like those things have to happen. We're hoping guys like like Quinn Slezinski and Jalen Withers and Josh Nickelberry and whoever else, DeAndre Davis, uh, wind up being a little bit better than their recruiting rankings would have indicated. But like, I think those are the three, like, we've got to have those. If, if those guys aren't all really good, it's going to be tough for this Louisville team to be really good. I completely agree. And, I mean, I've just spent, like, the past couple days just in my head. It's just going to be so much kind of different than I feel like the past couple of years where we just, I mean, God, we shot so many threes. We are so reliant on the three-point shot. And, I mean, yes, we know Carly can shoot. I mean, we know that Jalen Withers can can stretch the floor. We didn't. I mean, we know David Johnson is a capable shooter, but obviously, uh, it, it seemed like he had to improve. Sam didn't take a whole lot of threes last year, so it's just going to be like a, I feel like a, a different kind of basketball. Um, I, I'm really hoping this year is a more kind of gritty, rough, slop it up type of game from Chris Mack versus. Uh, last year where, and I'm not dogging on the guys, but I think we kind of played a more finesse style on offense um, than I'm expecting us to play this year. If you go back, like this is kind of how Mac, I think, has always wanted to play, um, whether it's been at Xavier or here. He just hasn't had the right pieces in place to do it. And if you go back and look at his Xavier teams, like they had some really good shooters. Uh, I mean, J.P. McCarroll was, was a really good shooter. Um, and Quentin Gooden, I'm trying to think of who else... Um, who was the All-American they had just a couple of years ago whose name is now totally escaping me? Um, uh, B- Bullet or uh, what's his name? Trayvon I don't Bullet. know. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, all those guys, capable outside shooters. But if you go back and look at Xavier's stats, they didn't take a whole lot of threes. Like I, I think that they, the year they won the Big East, they took like the third fewest threes in the conference that year. Uh, his last season there, which was uh, it would have been, what, 2018? Like, they want to – have a lot of shots in the paint. They want to to go to the line a lot. They want to to play bully ball. They they want big guards that can get into the lane, get fouled, make shots, or, or dish the ball off to to other bigs. Like this team, they're going to have to assume that identity, and I think they're going to. You mentioned Carly Jones, pretty good outside shooter. He's still like like that's kind of his second option. His biggest weapon at Radford was always uh, getting into the lane and being a really really elite finisher. David Johnson, that's obviously his bread and butter as well. And the other guys, if, if there's a really elite. We haven't seen it yet. Like, we don't know if Josh Nickelberry can be that guy. And right now, he's not even healthy. We don't know if Quinn can be that guy. Um, it, it's, just, it's going to be a different style. And I think it's going to take some getting used to because, I mean, Louisville fans have been used to, like, the, the run and gun, the, the shooting a ton of threes for two decades now, even the, the first two years of the Chris Mack era. And it's just going to be a different animal when, you know, we get down by eight in the second half. And we're still kind of playing the same style. I, I guarantee people are going to get pissed. I guarantee people are going to be, you know, saying this is the wrong route to go. But it's the way it's going to be. And, and I think that a, a new era of like stylistically for Louisville basketball probably starts this year. Yeah, and it, it is a little scary right now um, in the post area that we, at least from what I know, and Jalen could could totally change my mind on this. Aiden Agahan, you know, maybe he worked on this in the offseason, but it doesn't seem like we have a true back to the basket post player. Um, and it, it seems like we've always had one. So, again, yeah, if, we, if we're not going to shoot a ton of threes and we don't have a real back to the basket type post player, um, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how we get our points. And, you know, that's just one reason of, you know, kind of, uh, reason for caution. And another would be, uh, obviously, uh, we saw kind of the projected lineup and we can get into that here in a minute. But as far as size go, I mean, rebounding has to be a concern with, with Malik Williams out. 
Um, so like I said, Evansville, they don't look good on paper. It'll be a nice kind of, you know, uh, gauge for us to, to kind of see what kind of players we have and and what's working. Um, but we we need to figure some things out before Seton Hall gets here in a couple days. Ever heard of a little guy who goes by the name of Gabe Wisnitzer? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I, I, I guarantee Gabe. Is probably is like the miss the guy that has like the robotic post moves. It's like God damn, how's this guy score all the time? But um, I, I mean, I, I feel I don't I don't want to dog this kid because I really do think he could end up being good. I just don't know anything about him. No, I do too. I but I just think it's going to be like three and a half years from now, probably. Um, and it, it's why you're seeing. I'll say this: if they felt confident that he or Aiden Gayon are going to be really really good in the next couple of years. They're not recruiting like it because they got two big guys coming in the next class, and one of them is the highest-rated player in that class, our guy Roosevelt Wheeler, who just sounds like a, a really productive biggie center. I mean, I mean, he just sounds like a like an old school or a guy who now would be at at Xavier or Butler or Seton Hall and, and putting up 15 and 10 a night. Like, I'm excited for Roosevelt Wheeler, but I'm I'm excited for Gabe. I'm excited for Aiden. I'm excited for these guys. And who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe they all uh, just really really surprise us. You mentioned the starting lineup. Uh, Let's talk about it. The game notes came out on Monday, and sometimes the game notes come out and the starting lineup, uh, whenever it's revealed a couple of days later or a day later, totally different. But that, the start- that's a Rick Patino special. But go on. It no, it it totally is. But Max done it a couple of times in recent years too. Um, but the starting lineup that was in the game notes that came out on Monday night has the expected backcourt of David Johnson and Carly Jones, and then it has uh, Quinn Slezinski, DeAndre Davis. <laughs> And Jalen Withers. So you've got, I mean, you've got, you've got a transfer from Radford. You've got David Johnson. You've got the lowest rated recruit in the Super Six. Super Six who got redshirted last year. And you've got a true freshman who none of us r- really know all that much about and who wasn't expected to see big time minutes right off the bat. So, I mean, I mean, not exactly how we thought we were going to start this year. But, hey, who knows? Um, maybe it winds up working out pretty well. Yeah, I mean it's scary. I'll, I'll just say it. It's pretty scary. Um, I, I mean, and again, I I totally want to be proved wrong. I'm not saying it's going to be bad or awful. I just really don't know. I mean, we obviously we know David Johnson has NBA potential. Um, everything we heard about Carly, um, it sounds like he's probably going to be our best, if not our second best player this year. With Quinn, we know he can shoot it from the outside. Everything else uh, from game tape last year seemed a little questionable. Rebounding was, uh, I, I, he got shoved around a little bit. Very slow feed on the defensive end. Um, but again, he was just a freshman. Uh, I'm not going to dog the kid for it. Uh, Jalen, I mean, we just going off what people are saying in practice. I'm optimistic, but I have no idea. And, and same with Trey Davis. So, I mean, at this point, we're just going to have to tune in the TV and see what happens because it's really anybody's guess. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and I mean, like, I don't even know who comes off the bench first. Like, if you had to guess, I, I, it's probably going to be Sam Williamson because um, I mentioned last podcast, I've heard that he was um, not really – the injury was taking a long time for him to get back. And at the beginning of this month, he was still not, not able to jump off the ground. So you knew he wasn't going to be – fully ready to go by the time this game rolled around. But it sounded like in his press conference last week when he talked to the media that he said he was uh, getting closer and closer to 100%. Um, so he would be a safe bet to be the first guy off the bench if he doesn't wind up starting. I guess there's still a chance that he could be the starter tomorrow. But, I mean, if it's not Sam Williamson, who do you see as the first guy checking into the game for Louisville uh, in, in this Evansville game? I mean, for <laughs> for for my sake, I hope it's Aiden Agahan. Um, it, it's a little troublesome that, and again, we don't know what's going on in the off season, but it, it's a little troublesome that he couldn't, if it doesn't happen, crack this starting lineup. And I mean, we saw last year, he, he's got, he has a long way to go with his development. Um, but I mean, if there's ever a door open with, you know, with Malik out and it, we don't ha- really have a, a true center behind him besides him and, a, you know, a true freshman, it, it seemed like it would kind of be his spot to grab and for him not to grab it i guess you could say um that that's a little bit worrisome and should maybe give us an idea of what to expect this year but i would say either sam or aiden those would be my guesses 
Yeah, I mean, it's like it's one of those where, and maybe you're listening and you're doing the exact same thing. You keep racking your brain for like a guy on the team who's not actually there. You're like, Am I, I've got to be forgetting somebody, and, and you're not. Uh, Josh Nickelberry's hurt. He's uh, Chris Mack all but confirmed on Tuesday that he's going to miss um, probably multiple games to start the season. Sam Williamson has been hurt. Uh, Malik Williams is obviously out. Charles Minlin uh, is out for the first few weeks of the season. Uh, J.J. Trainer is a true freshman who we haven't heard a whole lot about. I don't know how much he's going to be used this year. And then you, you also have to remember we're down a scholarship player because we took our last um, our last hit from the NCAA for the whole Katina Powell thing came this year. So uh, all fun stuff, all, all good stuff to talk about. But the good thing when you're talking about all these injuries we're dealing with, all this inexperience, I actually and I. I know the fans want to play a blue blood top 25 team every single game. I like the fact that we're opening up with Evansville. I like it even more than, than when we're opening up with Southern Illinois. And for a little bit of a frame of reference, Southern Illinois is picked to finish uh, sixth in the Missouri Valley in their preseason poll. Evansville is picked to finish dead last. Um, if you didn't know from last year, I, I'm sure you remember they beat Kentucky. It was a big thing. Got a lot of love. They went nine and four in the non-conference portion of their season. And then they fired their coach and lost 19 straight games to end the year. Went 0-19 in the Missouri Valley, 0-18 in the regular season, uh, lost in the first round of the conference tournament, and they lost all their starters from that team. So, so I mean, Evansville, huge rebuilding phase. Um, they were supposed to have Sam Cunliffe back, who still somehow has some college eligibility. He played at Kansas, played at Arizona State. He was the big hero in that Kentucky game. He decided to opt out of the season for COVID reasons. He, he's not going to play this year, but he still has one more year of eligibility. Basically, everybody else on their team who was any good last year went ahead and bounced. Uh, DeAndre Williams was uh, probably their most talented player. He transferred to Memphis. Um, they've got a couple guys back who played a little bit, but really nobody uh, of any significance. They do have two guys that Louisville fans will be familiar with, or at least their last names. Uh, Jax Levich, who played at Trinity. Once again, Trinity basketball becoming a theme of this podcast. Uh, he's had one more year of eligibility, uh, started his career at um, IUPUI or uh, Indiana Fort Wayne, I believe, transferred to UNC Asheville, and then now he's going to wrap up at Evansville. And then uh, Thomas E. Gilgis Alexander, who is Shea Gilgis Alexander's little brother, is uh, also on this Evansville team. But besides that, I mean, they've got Logan Ballman as an assistant coach, my guy. Love Logan. Uh, he was awesome here. He's going to be a great coach one day. But it's a, it's a bizarre situation because Frank Licklider, who coached at Butler back in the day, coached at Iowa back in the day, took over midseason. And he inherited a bunch of, of pieces that Walter McCarty recruited to run up and down, but they, Licklider doesn't play that way. He's a half-court guy, so he's got some pieces that don't fit. This is a, a very roundabout, very wordy way of me saying they're not going to be very good this year. And, and I, I hate to say that because maybe they play a little closer than anybody's anticipating, but this should be an easy little dip of a toe into a pool. Um, you, you should be able to see some guys get their feet wet without it costing Louisville on the scoreboard. And I kind of I think that's a, a good way to start this season where you have so much unknown. You're right. Here's the thing. The first game of the year is always weird, no matter what. Like, sure. it's just everyone kind of has those first game jitters. Um, and, you know, especially it seems like from the offensive end, it, it, it kind of takes, you know, the first two TV timeouts to maybe get into the flow of an actual basketball game. Um but with that being said, uh, just kind of from the information you provided there, it would be a little worrisome if the game was tight, you know, going down the wire there in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, we like we didn't have a red-white scrimmage or anything like that. So, I mean, a lot of these guys, are they're just, you know, kind of being thrown out into the fire without any real game experience, and they're going to have to get significant minutes. So, uh, yeah, it, it's worked out, you know, with the injuries that this is going to be the first team that we played. It could have been a lot worse. Um, so hopefully some guys, you know, not only get minutes, but maybe do some things to, to gain some confidence and, and carry that over and, you know, into the next couple, couple ball games they have, you know, over this week span. So I mentioned in passing, I think it was the last podcast that you and I did together. It may have been, uh, me and Keith, like I can't remember exactly, but I mentioned in passing, that Walter McCarty used to have a reputation for uh, hitting on my girlfriend, now wife. Uh, it happened multiple times, and people wanted me to expand on that. And I've got no problem expanding on that. Um, so 
they uh, like had gone to my wife had gone to Oaks now then girlfriend. This is back in like oh wait, we're like 23 years old. That's an important thing uh, to mention here. They were like tw- they went to the Oaks. Walter McCarty was around somehow. He kept like, like shamelessly hitting on her. It was it was creepy. It was weird. Um, about a month later, we're at Four Street Live where nothing good happens. <laughs> And Walter McCarty comes over. I'm standing right there, and he's like, he doesn't even remember that he's ever met her. Goes to my goes to my girlfriend now wife, and is like, you are beautiful. You you are drop dead beautiful. And she's like, thank you. And I'm standing right there, and he's like, is this your girl? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you better take care of her, man. You better take care of her, or I will. And I was that, like, are you was this the me? same night? Was I with you? Was this the same night where Earl went up to my wife and was like, how come I ain't see you on the dance floor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, Earl, I was like, go ahead, buddy, take her out. That's fine with me. You were so proud of it. You, you were so happy. And I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. It's Earl Clark. But yeah, so I mean, was I surprised when I heard the the, the story about Walter McCarty? No, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Uh, had there been rumors of similar stuff going on for a long time? Yes. Is he a older married man with three kids? Yes. Uh, I mean, it was just, it, it was not shocking at all. And um, to hear him. Dude, if me and you go to Fourth Street, I mean, all bets are off. Anything can happen. I mean, back in the, I mean, what was this? Like, what year was this? Like 2000? This is like nine. nine. Yeah, 2009. I mean, God, we would just go down there and not to get in too much deep. I mean, we would just get <laughs> black out. Anyways, we'll say that for a different time. <laughs> if you weren't, if you weren't blacked out Fourth Street in 2009, you were far too aware of your surroundings, and you were gonna feel gross, and you were gonna want to leave. It was the only way to handle being at Fourth Street Live back in those days. And God love them. Uh, God, God love the whole place. I miss it. Not really. I don't. I, there's actually zero part of me that misses that. But uh, shout to Walter McCarty uh, for creeping on my girlfriend. They took, they took my fake ID there. I still haven't really gotten over that. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um. Real quick, before we take some questions from Twitter, um, Louisville's going to play Seton Hall on Friday. It's a, I guess you can call it the first marquee game uh, of this season. It's going to be on, I believe, ESPN. Maybe it's ESPN, too. It's a 4 o'clock tip-off. Seton Hall, they, they lost Miles Powell. They lost Romaro Gill. They lost uh, the bulk of their production from last year's team that was so good. But they do have some interesting pieces back. Miles um, Kale's back, who I think has kind of been an underused guy for them in recent years. Uh, Sandro Mamut Kalishvili is back. He's a All-American candidate. They also got Bryce Aiken, a transfer from Harvard, who, if he's healthy, can be really good. And then Ike Obiagu, another name that should be familiar to Louisville fans because he was one of the, you know, the seven-foot-four monsters that Florida State seems to funnel in here every single year from now on. But it's a game where if you look at the early line, I don't think there's an official Vegas line out right now, but the early uh, gambling spreads seem to have it right around Louisville, minus three, minus four. But this should be like a, a, a good test. The teams have played twice the last three years. Um, they've been really close games. They beat us here uh, at the Yum Center uh, during the David Padgett year. We returned the favor the next year at their place in a really close game. Um, you expect... like. Seton Hall and Chris Mack, there was no love lost at all between those two when he was at Xavier. So they've got a little bit of a um, a bone to pick with us. I think this game means a whole lot to them. So, I mean, Friday, I'm excited already. I think it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, am I excited for Evansville? Of course, it's the first game of the year. I mean, why wouldn't I be excited? But um, it'll be great to get kind of a name program in here um, and, and kind of get your feet wet with them um i'm that lefty kid that i can't even pronounce his name he's an all-american candidate did you say that yeah oh my god i knew he was good is he that good uh, i just I, I feel like miles powell just did so much for them last year that i just it felt like all the other guys in their team were almost role players but i mean obviously we, we know the brand of ball that that willard plays they they totally like to muck it up and scrap it up and get physical. Um, and I, I, I'm thinking Chris Mack will embrace that. So I, I think you'll see a, a lot of foul shots that game. Um, a lot of people in foul trouble. But I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm surprised that they have Louisville as a three to a four-point favorite, to be honest. Um, but I guess that could always change, you know, after Louisville plays tomorrow. Yeah, Mamou Kalashvili, he averaged 12-6 and six last year. And you talk about the size issue that Louisville has right now. I mean, it's starting lineup is small. Not going to be an issue against Evansville. Could definitely be an issue against Seton Hall. The starting lineup, and, and again, we don't know if this is what it's actually going to be, but 
if if Bryce Aiken is good to go, if Ike Obiago is good to go, their starting lineup is probably going to go six foot, six six, six six, six eleven, seven two. That's Oof. that's going to be an issue for us. We're, we're going to need Aiden Agahan to play some minutes in that game, I think. Yeah, I mean. I, I that's just a kind of a wait and see thing. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm so used to. I mean, we've had pretty big teams. I feel like in the past, you know, decade, and and for us to not really go out with any size, it's just going to be completely different. So I don't know how we're going to play. I don't know how we're going to combat that. But uh, I'm sure Chris will have some sort of plan. All right. Before we take some questions from Twitter, uh, we are sponsored by Homefield Apparel, and we've been mentioning that they're going to have some cool new new deals for you guys to use. Uh, we've had the uh, the Card Chronicle uh, promo code to save you 20% for the last few weeks. We now, for this week, because it's Black Friday week, we're going to save you 30% on all of Homefield Apparel stuff. If you go there this week, homefieldapparel.com, it's going to run through Cyber Monday, which is next uh, next Monday, November 30th. And if you check out and use the promo code BF Card Chronicle. Should be easy enough to remember. BF Card Chronicle. You're going to save 30%. Get some Christmas shopping done. Uh, get some stuff for yourself. Get ready for basketball season. Whatever you want to do, uh, go to homefieldapparel.com anytime between now and Cyber Monday and use that promo code BF Card Chronicle and you'll save 30% on uh, T-shirts, on hoodies, on ladies' gear. They got tank tops. It's all great stuff. It's all got retro logos. If you want to buy other stuff than Louisville, you can still use that promo code and it's still going to apply. So again. Big thanks, as always, to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring us. And check them out on social media and also at their website, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, we sh- before we get into these questions, I want to say I saw the uh, – Louisville put out a video today. The team is in the Galt House. They're in the bubble for the next, I think, until December 4th. Other teams have arrived. I think Seton Hall gets here tomorrow. I believe Prairie View and a- a- A&M is here. Um, they're going to play uh, Little Rock in the first game of the, the Wade Houston Tip-Off Classic. And our guy Jeff Greer – on the call tomorrow. His oh, nice. Debut. I'm so excited for it. I'm going to be having ESPN3 streaming at 1 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm praying that he says little cock uh, on accident <laughs> and starts crying and like, runs out of the Yum Center. Like, that's my new dream for tomorrow. But here's like, I, I, there's, I can't imagine how much pressure there is on Louisville to pull this bubble off because it's not just the basketball. It's making sure that the teams are you know, properly good to go in their hotels, making sure that the rules are properly stated for you know, who they can interact with and all this stuff. And if anything goes wrong, I think we got to do what we always do: blame Kenny Klein. It's Kenny's fault. Anything goes wrong, it, guys test positive, guys sneak out, one team can't play. It's all on Kenny's head. <laughs> You're, I mean, you joke. They're probably Kenny probably is doing like a million things right now to get ready for this. Um, to be honest, he's probably got so much on his plate it's not even funny. So, I mean, Kenny's the best. Everyone loves Kenny. We, we hope he's here forever, but yeah, I'm sure he's got a lot on his plate. All right. Uh, are you ready to answer some questions? Let's go. All right. Uh, our guy Hank Tubbs. Love Hank Tubbs. He says, how much would Adidas have to pay you to put a three-dimensional replica of the murder bird on top of your Christmas tree? Um, not much. I, I would love. I like the murder bird. I thought it was funny. I thought it was different. I embraced it. We actually have, I'm recording this, uh, I always do the podcast in our basement here, and we have a, a Louisville tree. We have so many Louisville ornaments that my wife dedicates a single uh, smaller tree to just Louisville ornaments. Uh, it's sitting right there. I would have no problem with the murder bird gracing the top of that tree. And if uh, if Mary would agree to it, I would put the murder bird on top of our actual tree for a, a reasonable fee, not all that much. I'm, I'm really jealous of your Louisville tree every time I see it. Um, I, I need to to get in gear and and i I, my wife kind of handles the christmas stuff but i'm trying to like imagine like the murder bird like just gently placed over like like a pick like we have like a dumbo ornament like right below it it's like there's dumbo and the murder bird all right merry christmas everybody all right are you ready for a little bit of uh in pod breaking news uh (laughs) sound the alarm Uh uh-oh i hope it's good um, from Josh Kendall of The Athletic. Um, apparently, South Carolina is going to interview Scott Satterfield for its vacant head coaching position. What the so, fuck? Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, here's the one thing that I'll say about it. And again, we're, we're doing this live, so who knows? Like, five hours from now, this could be totally different. Maybe Satterfield comes out and says, like, 
that's false. I'm not doing this interview. Maybe he does and says, I've got no interest afterwards. But he was awfully, I was surprised at how critical he was of JV and Hawkins opting so out. So was I. I. I noticed that too. I, I totally noticed that. They mentioned during the broadcast on Friday night that he had actually told JV and Hawkins, like, don't do this. I wouldn't, I would tell you not to do it if you were my son. And then after the game, went out of his way to praise Tutu Atwell and say, you know, basically, like all these kids opting out across the country, or, or I mean, I don't want to use, I don't want to make it more brash than it was, but he was basically saying, like, you got all these kids opting out across the country. Tutu Atwell's not that kind of guy. He's the character that we want. He's all about his team. He wants to play these games. If you're going to spew that bullshit and then go ahead and interview for South Carolina before your team's season is done, that seems awfully hypocritical. And again, maybe I'm I'm throwing stones that don't need to be thrown here because there's no substance to this. But uh, I mean, if it's being reported in the Athletic, they typically don't miss all that much. So, um, not saying I think he's going to leave. Not saying I, I think he, he you know, I, I know anything at this point. But if he does interview with South Carolina. Even if he winds up staying here, I'll be pretty disappointed. I'll tell you what, this has caught me off guard. I'm I'm very surprised by this, and I'm if it's true again, if it's true, I mean, God, that is that's pretty disappointing. Charlie Free says, "Will the Snow Globe make a reappearance this season?" Um, he's talking. If you have no idea what he's talking about, that's fine. But last, I guess, three or four years, we've had this decorative snow globe that I think my aunt gave us for Christmas a few years ago. It's kind of a not a gag gift, but just sort of as a, a throw-in Christmas gift one year. And it's got two cardinals. It's a very wintry decoration. And I actually thought about getting it out when we had our this little corner with the cardinal tree. And um, I've got the the Russ Smith fake book for Russ on the shelf that, that I always bust out right there. So I thought about getting it out. But no, it, it's an after-Christmas tradition. The snow globe always leads us to success in January. That's when it comes out. That's when it's going to happen. That's when it's going to bring us luck. And uh, that's when we'll be talking about the snow globe. So, um, uh, Pat says, any good Dan in the dump stories for big Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Uh, Dan? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I was usually with you. I mean, it was just typically, you know, bar scene till three, four in the morning and then just wake up massively hungover. My family was always, we had Thanksgiving in Cincinnati. So not only did I have to like wake up hungover, I had to make the track up to Cincinnati, but I mean, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. I always loved when the cards played around that time. Um, it seemed like, God, they went forever without playing in like a Maui Invitational or anything like that, like the night before Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually it was just debauchery at the bars. What was that word? Debauchery. Debauchery. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, I... Somebody the other day, and I, I wish I remembered your name, was tweeting me about, like, so have you totally moved on from, like, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? I was like, my man. Like, that, that's been, like, six years from now. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm married. I got a kid. Like, it's been, I'm in my mid-30s at this point. I gave up on the wild night before Thanksgiving a long time ago. And honestly, I'm glad. Like, I always kind of hated the night before Thanksgiving. Bars were too crowded. It was impossible to get drinks. Um, I always kind of wanted to watch the Maui Invitational title game, so I would just sort of, like, saddle up at the bar and... Uh, kind of zone out like it just it, it wasn't that fun of a night for me and, and like you like I had stuff to do with my family the next day I had to watch the Lions lose I don't want to be hung over for that so it was I don't know it, it's one of those traditions I, I, I embrace the, the Thanksgiving hangover like it came with the territory it, I mean you go out hard Wednesday and you just know you're going to wake up and deal with it Thursday so I mean it's not like we're going to work we're going to sit around and watch football and and eat Thanksgiving so, so I, I was Totally fine with being hungover as piss every Thanksgiving. I was a big Friday after Thanksgiving guy. Like, like that was always more fun for me. You had football on during the day. You could drink then. You had like like in recent years, Louisville's been playing Kentucky on that Saturday in football. You always had basketball on. Like I was just I don't know. Like that to me was more fun. The bars were less crowded. Whatever. Um, Logan Wade, my, my guy, transy basketball superstar, says, "What if any U of L basketball player?" Could you all never give up on and always thought they would turn the corner in their career, but they never did? Uh, oh, I got one right off the top of my head. This is every player that you like. Like every player that you feel like is going to be good, you they wind up not being good, and then you stick with them for like three or four years. Oh, okay. Well, the guy I'm thinking of was like somewhat good, but he definitely never lived up to his potential. I, I was thinking Derek character. Like I, I really thought you know, 
we would just see flashes of Derek character. And I was like, fuck dude, he's under Rick. Now Rick's going to get this guy in gear and he's going to be become dominant. And he just never did. Like, and I, 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 no matter how lazy he got or just some of the shit he did, I did not want to give up on him. Um, but he just never really panned out into what we, what, what he thought he, he could be, even though he got some time in the NBA. The first time I ever met Rick Pitino, I think it took him 10 minutes for him to tell me a Derek character story. And it was, it made me so happy. Like, like all he, I don't even know how it came up, but he was telling the story and I don't care. I'll tell it on the podcast. Like this is what you get for being a podcast listener. But he was like, <laughs> it, it's less funny <laughs> in hindsight, giving what happened in the years after this conversation happened. But apparently Derek was trying to bring a girl into Minardi Hall. Um, back in the day and ralph willard had been you know they were told when when the kids got caught on video trying to do something or being at, at curfew the assistant coaches got notified and so ralph willard called Derek in and was like Derek, we've got you on camera you're bringing a girl into minority like like what are you doing we're gonna have to tell coach about this and he's like the girl Derek starts telling a story and he's like this girl was on her bike and she was away from her dorm and she lost her student ID so she couldn't get into her dorm. And I was just trying to let her in there and help her out until she could figure out how to get into her own dorm because <laughs> I knew it was scary out there. And Ralph Willard looks at him and goes, I'm going to have to call coach in 10 minutes. Do you want to think of a bet? And Derek, <laughs> Derek goes, all right, hold on. <laughs> oh god i mean he he really is like a likable he was i mean he's not a kid anymore but at the time like he, he was a really like affable likable kid um and i don't even want to say it didn't work out because he was you know he had some productive years for us but never what i thought he could really you know be We'll always have the, uh, the the baseline spin against aaron gray it never got better after that that was it he had that moment and then it was all David Padgett from that point. What, who's your answer to this question? Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't answer. Um, I thought like, – I, I never thought he would be a superstar, but I thought Anton Gill would eventually be like a like, like a solid contributor, like a knockdown outside shooter, a guy who could you know every now and then go off for, for 25 on a given night, maybe like a 9-10 point-per-game score, and – my God, those percentages never went up. Like he, I, don't, I don't think he ever shot the three at a better than 24% clip at Louisville. And then he went to Nebraska, and it really didn't get a whole lot better out there. I, I just I, I kept waiting for him, for him to come around. And outside of that Sweet 16 game against NC State, it never really happened. I mean, he is one of the most forgettable Cardinals you could think of. I mean, sure. besides the NC State game, I don't think he made like – one like anything of significance like i can't remember one specific play that he was involved in like just a, a, a weird career after kind of the way he he was hyped up in high school all right next question is from let's see brian says what's your favorite topic that would ruin thanksgiving um i mean anything politics or religion yeah besides that i guess we gotta get creative here um uk basketball yeah yeah well, I mean, with your family, though, like, you don't have any UK fans. That would be the dinner table, right? I know, yeah. I, I mean, we really don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we we all are generally fans of the same team. Um, we're, we're a pretty non-combative group, so I, I'm really probably not the person to ask for this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just in general, I don't know. I, like, Sometimes it, the 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 UK train does get brought up, maybe from like a random cousin who doesn't like follow it, um, like like we do. And I'm like, well, slow slow your roll here. Uh, maybe like the quality of the food. I think I'd say that. Like if, if you if I insulted like my mom's or my mother-in-law's food, that'd probably be that'd be the last straw. It, it'd it'd go poorly. Um, we, we we like to make dig like when we have cousins like that are younger and they bring over boyfriends or girlfriends for the first time. Um, sometimes people can get a little, you know, uh, they turn into little chatter boxes and, and word gets around. So that's kind of fun. Um, let's see here, which by the way, I would never insult. I, I'm very fortunate. Both we, we rotate Thanksgivings with my family. We do one year here in Louisville with my family and the next year in, um, Springfield where my wife's from. 
and both dinners are really, really good. And I'm not just saying that. Like both Way to families, save face. Good answer. Both families are very, very <laughs> good cooks. Both uh, are fantastic. Uh, how about this? Question from still the voice of the cards in my eyes. Always be the voice of the cards. Sean Moth uh, at CardsPA on Twitter says, name the four teams most likely to have won the 2020 men's basketball title had the pandemic not shut down the season. That's a great question. Um, I... I don't know if you have an answer. I can. I feel like Florida State's been getting a lot of love from people recently, and I don't see it. Like I, I Leonard Hamilton's never been to a Final Four. I don't think they had a lot of talent. They would have flamed out. There's no doubt in my mind. People forget that seasons besides the last two just happened. He made. He's made so much of a reputation for himself off of these last uh, what three years. Um, like more times than not, they lose to somebody they shouldn't in the NCAA tournament. I think that would have happened again this year. I'll say the four teams most likely. Kansas, I think you have to throw them in there. I don't think they would have ended up being my pick, um, but I would throw them in there. Gonzaga, I was big on. I think they were, they were the real deal, and I th- definitely think they're the real deal this year. I tell you what, I, I think depending on how they were going to play in the Big Ten tournament, I remember I was thinking going into championship week, I was leaning towards picking Michigan State to win the national title. I think they were peaking at the right time. Cassius Winston had finally gotten over all that stuff uh, with his brother at the beginning of the year. Um, so I would throw them in my f- uh, four and then, uh, not San Diego State. I'll, I'll put Dayton in there. I, I would say Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, and Michigan State. This is like asking me to like name like who made the Final Four in like 1976. Like this yeah. seems so long ago. I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, okay, how did the season end? But yeah, I mean, Kansas. They had Dotson and Azabuki. Yeah, I, I, I put them in there. Um, I would probably put Gonzaga as well for the other two teams. God, I mean, you know, I actually thought Virginia was starting to get it together at the end of the year. Like they were so bad offensively, obviously the the first kind of half or three fourths of the ACC. And it seemed like they were starting to pick it up offensively. Jay Huff was playing better. Um, and I, I just think defense is key once you get into tournament time. So I'll say Virginia, and then I'll say, oh, shit. I'll say Seton Hall just to say Miles Powell got hot. I like that. Uh, they, I feel like they were going to be a Trinity Final Four pick. Uh, that's a good one. Um, Doctor of Dunk, our guy. Brief example on the movie aside, how good of a handicapper was Irv Blitzer? <laughs> no tumbleweed, no tumbleweed. <laughs> I mean, you've got to say, it's got to be bad, right? I mean, He's at a what looks like a, uh, a podunk, like offshore book, um, not doing well. Doesn't look like he's living a, a very luxurious life. I'd say he's a bad handicapper. Yeah, I mean, his transformation from just, you know, degenerate deadbeat handicapper to like, you know, like the fact that he was an all or an all Olympic bobsledder at one point was uh was quite the the transition there but um yeah lover blitzer john candy one of the best r.i.p john we love you um tim stark if you could only invite one cardinal basketball team over for thanksgiving what time would the 2013 championship team show up and why would that be your pick who um guys on that team yeah i mean there was some guys like uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I do. I mean, like the starting five, I, you know, or like, or like the first six, seven rotation players. All. I mean, I love everyone on the team. I'm just trying to think if there's another team. I'm kind of biding time thinking about other teams that I like possibly more. I, I, uh, I man, I really got a soft spot for that 2011 team um, with, yeah. with Preston. I just love that team. Um, I, I, I'd probably pick them if I could pick anybody. I'm going with the title team. They're showing up at 3.30 for 4 o'clock dinner. What time does your family eat dinner on Thanksgiving? I always think it's bizarre that, like, for whatever reason, we just choose to eat dinner at, like, 2 o'clock or, like, 7 o'clock or, like, we're, everybody's all over the place. It's usually right after, like, I want to say it's, like, 3.30 to 4, usually after the, the Lions lose. Um, yeah. As soon as the game ends, we... We sit down and feast for the most part. But, um, yeah, the, I always get confused with, like, lunch. Like, what's your lunch deal? We do, like, heavy apps, and that's it. Um, and then just kind of go straight into Thanksgiving. Yeah, we do. I, I feel like we're, we're 
even if I'm here or in Springfield, we do kind of like a, a late sort of breakfast, like kind of brunchy type foods and then early dinner. I don't know why Thanksgiving dinner though can't be at six, like every other dinner. I just, it seems strange. Like we don't do Christmas dinner at, you know, four 30. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe are you, are you, are you drunk by the time thanks you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner? No, no. Okay. Just checking. I, I can't, if I'm drinking during the day, I've got to have like I've got to be around like friends. I've got to be around like like a sporting event or something. Oh yeah, I, no, you're a night owl. I'm I'm well aware. I, I've yeah. known you long enough. You're a night owl. You, you you start throwing them back, you know, once once the sun goes down. So, um, yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been like like maybe I've been kind of tipsy for Thanksgiving dinner, but it's usually it's so early. I, yeah, I'm I'm never definitely never drunk. Uh, Will Wigington says, say U of L is projected to play 24 games this year. Are you taking the over or the under? Um, well, let's see. I mean, right now on the schedule, they've got 27 games scheduled. Um, so if you're counting, throwing in the ACC tournament, throwing in the NCAA tournament, or I guess, you know, a different postseason tournament if Louisville didn't make it, I'd say that they'll play over 24 games if I had to guess. I would hope they would. I know. That's why I'm like praying it's over. But yeah, I would... Oh, God, I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen. Like, I could see just like, I don't know. I mean, in reality, it seems like a ton of games are getting canceled right now. And like, they really are. But like, still like 80% of the games are still going to happen. So, um, and like 20% aren't um, as of right now, like the first, you know, the first day of game. So I don't know. I'll say yes, but who, who knows? This thing could go haywire the first two weeks and they could scrap the whole non-conference and i have no idea yeah the good thing is once we get to tomorrow you're gonna have all the teams that you're gonna play in your first five games all in louisville all bubbled up so you would assume that those five games um like you're definitely gonna have five games in the non-conference and then we'll see what happens with conference play and, and the games against wisconsin and kentucky but i would feel i don't feel good about anything right now but i would i would take the over and feel fairly confident about that but i, I do think there will at least be a few cancellations here and there. Uh, the can opener says, what's the status of Maverick Rowan's recruitment? And is it about time we start Kyle Bolin over Will Gardner? Um, do you think like when we look back 20 years from now at Louisville sports during this decade, is the fact that some people, there was a legitimate debate between Kyle Bolin and Lamar Jackson, like the most ridiculous we've ever looked I actually think I was like, I think we need to give Kyle more of a look. I actually I think I right. was on that. The trip. tweets are still out there somewhere, I believe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to deny it. I was like, all right. I mean, like the first thing, obviously the first thing that pops up with Kyle is the the comeback against UK, um, obviously. So he'll always, that, that'll kind of be what he hangs his hat on. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what a... What a kind of a ra- weird, random career Kyle Bolin had. Um, I'm trying to sort through these now. Like, because we're doing this live, like, every question I'm getting is about Scott Satterfield. So, so yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We, we, we're kind of just going on the fly here with the whole Satterfield thing. Who knows? Maybe you're listening to this and you're laughing at us because Satterfield's currently the South Carolina head coach. <laughs> God, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. I won't go up too off tangent, but. I really hope it's not true, and if it if if he is interviewing, I'm I'm pretty pissed off. Yeah, it, Caleb says no Louisville men's basketball player has averaged 20 or more points in a season since Reese Gaines did it back in his junior year. Uh, Jordan Ward got close last year at 18 points per game. Is there a player on this roster who can break that streak this year? And if so, who? No, uh, no, no. I, I don't think there's any chance. But if there is, I assume you're going to say the same thing I am. It's it's got to be Carly Jones. I yeah. Mean, because exactly. David Johnson's your most talented player, um, but he's not going to be a score first guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who gets you 22 a game. Sam Williamson, I mean, maybe we thought he could be that guy, but he didn't show it last year. If Carly Jones is going to be a high usage offensive player, he's do you think? Do you think it's bad or good if he does average 20? Probably bad. I uh, think so too. I think like. I mean, because I mean, we know he can score, but I mean, the the thing on him is it sounds like he's good at getting everybody else involved. And you know, if he's averaging twenty, I don't know how much we're we're getting other guys involved or or how much of a role they have. So I I would lean more towards bad if we have him averaging twenty a game. 
I mean, I guess if he was averaging like 22 and Sam Williamson was, if we were sort of like a three-man team, yeah, uh, kind of like we were for a period in 2015 with Trez and uh, Terry Rozier and Chris Jones, where they were scoring all the points and using all the offensive possessions. I mean, that team was a disappointment sort of until the NCAA tournament, but still relatively successful. I guess they could be okay, but um, I still, I would lean more towards that being a bad thing, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, let's see here. Uh, Peter Hepner, how much could Elijah Justice bench? A lot. The bullet. He had guns. He was He's the bullet, yeah. I mean, he did look jacked just for being a small little kid. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'll say uh, I'll say 215. Winner of the hottest male athlete. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. From a website whose name I, I cannot say. Even on this podcast, can't say it. Don't think it exists anymore. Look it up, folks. It's in the Chronicle <laughs> Archive. Um Ethy Clark says, Chris Mack can't coach basketball because of reason X. Which other UofL coach takes over and you trust uh, to, to pull off a win? It can't be a member of either basketball staff. So basically, what UofL coach of a different sport would you trust to coach the men's basketball team to victory? Can we can we put Vince Tyre on the sidelines? Um, well, he's not a coach, so no. I know. I know he's not a coach, but he, he's... He's part of the university, yeah. I mean, so he can't be a, a coach. I mean, um, last name's also Tyre, Dan. Let's uh, let's. I know. Sorry. Respect I, the AD here. My bad. Shout out, Vince. Um, I'll, I'll let you answer it. <laughs> He's not listening. Um, <laughs> it's like God. I hope not. I, <laughs> I'm going. I mean, zero hesitation here for me. I'm going Dan McDonald. I feel like he is the most. He could. At the very least, he could motivate you to play hard. He could, like, he would be an inspirational guy during timeouts. He might not know anything about basketball, but he could get you excited to play. And that's half the battle in this situation, I think. I love Dan McDonald. I really do. What he's done with baseball has been unbelievable. However, I am still bitter that he left Luke Smith in the ninth inning after the shit talking against Vanderbilt. I don't know if I'm going to get over that for a while because it was so obvious he needed to come out of the game. So do you have an answer? Um, I'll agree with you. I'll say Dan McDonald. I know it's a cop out. (laughs) 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 Love you, Dan. (laughs) Uh, uh, Chris Hatfield, my guy. Uh, Everybody's my guy on this podcast, apparently. Um, Says, over, under, until how long we have someone fighting over a girl. Uh, Remember this thing where, I say this every single year, whenever Louisville basketball, or Kentucky basketball for that matter, hits a a slide in the middle of the season, there's always a rumor that somebody on the team is sleeping with somebody on the the team's girlfriend. Like, like it's it's usually the guards, but I shit you not. Like, uh, two years ago, I did the... um, the live show for with Tyus and Tate when they were doing the, the two, you were there, um, kind of. You, you, you were yeah, the, we had just yeah we had just come back from Breeders' Cup. I was on a different planet. But so I I told that story on their pod uh, at that show, and I told it on their podcast last year. And literally two days after I the podcast went live, I got like two DMs from somebody telling me the same rumor about last year's team, the same two players involved, and the same girl involved, and it 100% was not true. But it happens every single year. So I'll say, I mean, th- that's usually like a late January, early February thing, or maybe like mid-January thing. Uh, I'll say we, 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 we make it through the first two months of the season without any sort of rumor like that. Yeah, we got we got COVID going on. We're going to yeah. duck that. We're going to duck that rumor this year. Agreed. Um, you'll, this question's right up your alley. And well, actually, it's so good. We'll make it the last question. But Chris uh, Gleam, Chris Gleim, I hope I'm saying your last name right. I want to know your guys' favorite stadium personality. Freedom Hall stand guy, boogeyman, etc. Dan, you broke these down like before I think anybody. You were breaking these these characters down when we were like 12 years old. <laughs> you, you, you God, I, yeah. Your- I mean, I sat behind Sadat, who did the handstands. I mean, he's a personal favorite. So I'll always put him number one just because he was so nice to our family. Um, I love that guy. but. I mean, other personalities, God, I mean, it is really hard. I, you know, Jacket Waver just has an absolute special place in my heart. He used to sit up in Section 341, and I would look up there from right behind the goal. And, I mean, he would be on the rail, and that jacket would be going. And I, I, I get sad. I mean, I do see him um, sometimes at the Yum Center. 
Um, but not nearly as much, but dude, he used to get freedom hall, just fucking rocking. Um, and then, uh, our guy referee shirt. I mean, what an absolute legend he was like in his heyday, he could just sprint down those stairs and like he, he was doing that even before he had his referee shirt. And then like one year he just showed up with the referee shirt and it was like, you know, uh, he be, just went instant legend on us. So even like old ones back in the day when we used to have the, the marching band where the guy would would uh, he'd go up a, above the student section, Freedom Hall, and he'd, he'd run back and forth and spell C-A-R-D-S and they'd gradually make the song faster and he'd go and go and um, until the song was over. So, that, I mean, that's the thing I miss most about Freedom Hall, honestly, is, is just the personalities. But I'll, I'll give the nod to Sadat. Love Sadat. I uh, love the runner. Uh, I think Rob Hickerson, I think is his name. Yep, uh, uh-huh. that, that guy's awesome. Um, referee shirt. Actually sat in front of referee shirt for the <laughs> Michigan State Elite Eight game. <laughs> love referee shirt. My man was blaming everything on Earl Clark that day, though. Like, And Earl was the only guy we had play who played well in that game. <laughs> like, I mean, Goran Sutan would hit a three from the top of the key when we'd be in zone. And Earl's like under the basket because we're in a zone. And referee was like, God damn it, Clark. <laughs> I was like, okay, referee, let's, uh, I love you, buddy, but let's focus on the refs here. I, I don't, there's one guy I don't want to leave out. I mean, God, he used to sit like in the section over from me, like directly behind the goal opposite of the student section, Freedom Hall. Me and my brother would call him Cactus Jack. He had like this long beard and sunglasses and looked exactly like Cactus Jack. And when people would shoot free throws, he would wave his Papa John's breadsticks back and forth. It was <laughs> honestly, I was like, I absolutely love this guy. Like we couldn't get enough of Cactus Jack. God damn it. I miss Freedom Hall. Uh, <laughs> so do I. It's like you hold on to it, Bellerman. You hold on to it well. Cherish it. Even though poor <laughs> Bellerman. Dealing yeah. with COVID now. There Welcome to D1. You're playing Duke at Duke on one day of practice. Congrats. It's going to be yeah. a shout to the night. Shout to, uh, to Scotty and Doug D. Um, let's, uh, you want to read some reviews before we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we got two new reviews. Um, <laughs> the first one is by Aldo Montoya, whose title is Dan the Dumpster Drozzy. Um, I guess a play on your Duke the Dumpster Drozzy story from last week. If you've been looking for a podcast that has quality UofL sports and Duke the Dumpster Drozzy stories, your search is over five-star pod it's a five-star wow. review. a lot of uh, damn yeah, in, in reviews this week the uh the next review is from zeke who says uh titled dan demand love the podcast especially when dan is on i need weekly recaps of his worst hangovers yeah well i don't know how long he has but um pull up a chair one day at a bar but we can <laughs> talk about it <laughs> all right um do we have a speaking of dan of the dumps do you have a dan of the dump story for this week I, I, we can say it's a, it's not really a day in the dumps. It's just it, it kind of fits the um, mold of, of the week coming up. So we have the Wade Houston Invitational coming up. Tip off. And class. tip off classic. Excuse me. I know I butchered that already. Um, obviously, back in the day, we used to have the, the Billy Minardi Classic uh, and me, you and our buddy Weber. Weber coined this term. He used to call it the bill. Yeah. Um, so we're going to call this week, the Wade, love the Wade. Love um, the but anyways, the, the bill always happened like right before it was like right around Christmas break for whatever reason. Um, and I mean, the games were always like against just absolutely shitty opponents. I think we, I, I texted you last night. The, I think we only lost one of them and it was to UMass. Uh, I think it was Peyton Sivas freshman year. I think it was our last year in, in Freedom Hall, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, anyways, with that being said, um, usually, I mean, our, our family had season tickets and I I'd like to bring my friends to a lot of the games. But, you know, sometimes we played shitty teams. It was hard to give the tickets away or whatever whatnot so uh for some reason like i don't even know like i went to like the first couple billy marty classics then it might have been like the fourth or fifth one i remember like either you or my buddy weber asked like oh who's going to the game with you tonight and i mentioned some girl and he was like is this like the fifth Billy Minardi classic in a row you've taken a date to? And I literally was like, Oh my God, it has been like, I have no idea how, like, I'm not a late, I wasn't a ladies man. I, I have no game at all, but for whatever reason, like 
I guess I was lonely before Christmas. I was always taking chicks to the Billy Minardi classic. Um, I was thinking like it, it kind of reminds me of that scene, you know, when uh, when <laughs> in Saved by the Bell, when when Jeff and uh, <laughs> when Jeff and Kelly get together and Zach goes on all those blind dates and he keeps <laughs> taking his dates to the movie theater. And every 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 scene, it's like the gunshots. It's like ah! and like. The, the date ends up being awful. Like me, every time I'm sitting there with a girl, it's just like Sean Moth in the back. It's like three Williams. The three and like, people listening. Yeah, exactly. And like the date, like are dying. everybody else, out. like shut up. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, but I, I did end up taking um, my now wife to a Billy Minari classic. And I, I think because she actually paid attention and was enthusiastic about it. Uh, I, I think that's why she she never we never went to the max and she never t- threw a chocolate malt on me and we ended up getting married. So um, anyways, that, it, just kind of a weird thing. Um, it, enjoy the Wade. Love is in the air. And uh, please embrace this week. I hope somebody like meets the love of their life at the Wade this week or, or like starts a beautiful relationship because it's like the bill invite was really the Louisville equivalent of the Rose. Like that was how. That was how you knew Dan was serious. Like you, you didn't, you weren't just tossing out bill invites to anybody. It wasn't. This is true. Bad. Yeah, I mean, like I wasn't just handing the tickets away, but um, yeah, that, I, I was like thinking about that, and I was like, was I lonely around Christmas or something? Like, what, what was the deal there? But uh, yeah, funny, funny how it worked out. I actually, I mean, I would write a thing about the Billy, Billy Minardi Classic on Card Chronicle every year, including like little fun facts, and I would always throw that in there. And multiple members of the Minardi family were very much enjoyed it. Like very, very much loved the fact that Dan was bringing different girls. And then I, I think it was like in, I guess, 20, whatever, 2012, 2011, when uh, you were only going to bring one girl, it lost its luster a little bit. Like now you're, you know, you had Kim, you were going to get married, you're going to have kids. And the, the bill invites obviously stopped coming, but in its heyday, the bill phenomenon was, was just wonderful. It was a, a very, I looked forward every year to who you were going to bring. I know. Yeah. I mean, it really was. Um, and yeah, I know your buddies w- with Will and um, I mean, it was, it, it was, I mean, it was a fun event. It was a great tournament. Um, all good things, you know, come to an end and we're, we're moving on to the weight and hopefully we can, uh, we can win them all here. Final facts. And I, I know you knew this at one point, but you may have forgotten it. I got engaged on a Billy Minardi classic day. <laughs> I proposed. I proposed to Mary like three hours after we beat Western Kentucky in the uh, the 2013 bill. God, that is a that is absolutely wild. Um, yeah, yeah. I have had no such love story. I remember taking Kim to a random Western Carolina loss game. I was like, it was like one of the first games I ever took her to. It was the last year in Freedom Hall. We lost to Western Carolina. I was like, it's usually not like this. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. So, All right. We, we've rambled on too long. Basketball's back. We talked no football outside, outside of Scott Satterfield maybe leaving. We won a game, 30 to nothing. We're undefeated in the Atlantic Division. We hosted College Game Day this year. We're going to the playoff. But, hey, basketball's back. Beat Evansville. Beat Seton Hall. We are going to preview uh, the Boston College game with Keith later this week. But until then, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy all the hoops. Hope you enjoy all the football. Hope you enjoy your family. Hope you stay safe. And until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards.